All right. Good evening, everybody. I'm Tony Bruno. I am here with John Somnez, Bulldog Mindset. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Good, good. Uh, tell everybody about yourself and tell everybody about Bulldog Mindset. From what it looks like, you're, a, you're a, I guess, a, a dating coach, a lifestyle guru and fitness guru, and an entrepreneur. So kind of like a lifestyle coach, would you call yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, my main focus is really, really two things and they're, then they're very related. One of them is getting rid of the victim mindset, you know, and specifically teaching men to get rid of this victim mindset that so many people have so they can be successful in life. And then the second one, which, you know, again, like I said, is, is really related is because it's part of it, which is being a man, like how to be a man, how to be a masculine man, like masculinity. And, and so the other elements that you, that you talked about, they really come into that, right? Because I feel like in order to be a man, you, you need to have a, a certain level of physical fitness of physicality, right. To work on yourself in that aspect, even if it's just for the mental discipline, and then you need to have the, the financial means to learn how to build a business if that's what you want to do or to be successful financially. And then also the dating and relationship, you need to know how to handle women, how to, how to get women if you, if you want women and, and how to you know interact with them and, and keep those relationships going or the direction that you want them to be going. So mm -hmm. now I see that you're, I, first I want to talk about his physical fitness because that's mm -hmm. the first thing that popped out. And I'm like, wow, this guy is jacked. He he's definitely has his shit together. I mean, you can see that you work hard. And that's not something that, from what I understand, came, I don't want to say easy to you, but it didn't come easy to you. You worked at it. So tell yeah. me about your physical fitness, basically, plan for somebody. Or, and tell me about your plan that you did for yourself. Yeah. I mean, we could start with, uh, I can show you my my before picture. If, you, if you'd like, I can share my screen here. And then sure. I think that was probably a good, uh, sure. let's see here. Okay. So... Here's some before pictures. There we go. Okay. So yeah, so this is, uh, you know, before picture. <laughs> this was, was me. It really, really was me, you know. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So. That's so, yeah. incredible. So, Do you have pictures of you now? So you can compare uh, them, show us? Because I've seen a lot see, of yeah. pictures of you. Yeah, so here's kind of like more recent I guess this is the one that I posted today. Yeah, that's incredible. And, uh, yeah, and so you that's, doing? you know, I just turned 40. So. Okay. But, um, but yeah, that's, 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 I mean. That's, that's a transformation right there, you know. That should show a lot of guys that what you can change yourself if you have the mindset. The bulldog mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what happened with me was, you know, I got to a point where I had to buy like a size 46 pants, as you can see wow. in that picture. And that was the point where I could no longer deny it, that I was definitely fat. I was overweight. And, you know, and I just decided that, hey, I'm going to change my life. I, I don't want this. Like I had all these aspirations of, of what my life would be like. And I realized at that point that it's not just going to happen. Right. And so I made the turnaround and what I started doing was it was real simple. Actually, at that point, when I was trying to lose the weight is I just said, all right, every two weeks, I need to lose five pounds. And I just, I just ate a, you know, ate low calorie foods. Basically I didn't have like a, a super 
detailed plan and I ran. And then I said every pound over uh, over the five like that I hadn't reached every two weeks, I would run that many miles every day until I, I reached that. And so I never had to run any penalty miles. <laughs> I was so afraid of running the miles. So, um, so that, that got me down. And then, you know, uh, and then I started lifting weights again. I had lifted before, uh, you know, when I, when I was younger and I got that muscle back and got really strict with the diet and nutrition. And I made you know some pretty good advancements there. I started eating one meal a day. I did that for like about five years. Uh, wow. and, and I saw some really big benefits from that. And then, you know, in the last, last four years, I became a marathon runner. So I've been running, I run a bunch of marathons. And then this year I'm actually, I'm actually right here. The reason why I don't have my normal setup is I'm in Flagstaff right now and I'm training for a hundred mile race. So uh, it actually got canceled. So when I go back to San Diego, I'm going to be just running it solo a hundred miles. And, uh, and yeah, so doing yeah, my goal I for this year was to be an ultra. Yeah. I saw that, that you're going to go ahead and do it anyways for yourself. You know, I think that's awesome. <clears throat> do you think competition is important with men, whether it's men competing together or competing against yourself and your limits? Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, definitely both are important, right? It's like, I mean, primarily we have to compare ourselves to who we were yesterday, right? As, mm -hmm. as men, because that's primarily, we need to be competing with ourselves and comparing ourselves not to other people, because you you, you could compare yourself to, to other men and you're always going to fall short in some area. And, and that's not what you need to be concentrating on is what you can do with what you have and becoming the best version of yourself as possible. And that means that you're better than you were yesterday. But as far as like competition between men, I think it's, it's important, but to have the healthy competition, right? Where, mm -hmm. where I compete with you, but I respect you at the end of the day, we respect each other, right? We, we recognize mm -hmm. the, the lion, the warrior, and the other man. And we salute that, you know, on the battlefield, we fight it out, but we, we salute that warrior. We have respect for that, uh, for that masculinity within us. And I think that's really important because that brings out the, the best in us, right? When we're, when we're going against someone else, when we're, you know, performing be on, on the battlefield, essentially of life, that, that it brings out that, that, that line that's within us all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, when I was your age, I'm 57 right now. When I was your age, at 40, I picked up martial arts, okay? Mm. And my discipline, main discipline was judo. Now, at that age, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you can't do that. But I, I competed at probably some of the highest levels in that sport. And I find myself still competing, whether I'm surfing across the street uh, mm -hmm. You know, surfing with the boys, you're wanting to get the biggest wave. I don't care if when we go to the range, when you're shooting, you want the best shots. Always competition, but I think it's very healthy. I mean, combat sports at all? Any type of combat sports, kickboxing or anything like that? I did some martial arts growing up, and then recently I did Muay Thai for, for a couple of years, which was, was great. I really enjoyed that. I ended up stopped doing Muay Thai. I had like, uh, I got my ribs broken and then I ran a marathon afterwards. <laughs> and I, I realized that like, uh, the two weren't really going together too well. Uh, also the, the amount of time they have to train for marathons and ultra marathons. So I gave it up for, for now, but, uh, I definitely want to get back into it. I really, 
I liked doing Muay Thai. So yeah, injuries can be. I mean, I had a kind of a. I don't want to say it's a life-altering injury, but I was training for a huge competition. I had just done really well in two big competitions, and I have a. I shattered my collarbone, so I have screws and a, basically a steel collarbone. So the competition yeah. still was awesome to me. I mean, it was something again that I've done, you know, for about 15 years, and it, it's been about a yeah. year or so since I've since I've been on the mat. But um, yeah, I think it's very healthy competition between men. Um, let's also talk about your financial coaching and your entrepreneurship. Tell me, tell me how you take a guy that's you know, not doing well. And again, your name is Bulldog Mindset. All that ties in, I'm sure. So tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, initially, like you said, like a lot of it comes down to like figuring out if there's a problem mindset wise. A lot of the guys that that end up taking coaching from me, they're guys that have been following me for a while. So they probably have already got a lot of the mindset piece of it, but then they still need the instruction in in how to actually execute on the ground here, right? And so what, what I do a lot of times, I, I mean, I, I look and I, I try to figure out, okay, what is it that you actually want, right? Because there's a lot of different options. It's not just about making money, right? It's like, because one guy, you know, I could I could talk to him and he could say, oh, you know what? If I could just have $2,000 a month of passive income, didn't have to work anymore for anyone else, and I could live in Thailand, I'd be happy. I would never need to make any more money than that, but I just want to quit my job as soon as possible, right? But another guy could say, no, I have aspirations of having a mansion and having nice cars and, and building up, you know, extreme amount of wealth. And the path to both of those things is going to be very different, right? Because one of them is going to take a lot longer and it's going to take a lot more work. The other one is, is not, not as difficult and, and it may cap you so that when you, if you decide to like retire in Thailand for $2,000 a month, you're not going to be able to really expand as much beyond that. So what I usually look at is we end up usually working on a couple things. One is, okay, where you're at right now, let's, let's find some low hanging fruit. I can usually get a, a guy that I'm coaching a raise, you know, a 10 to 15% raise just right off the bat, just because most, most guys don't know how to negotiate and they haven't, they didn't even negotiate their first job offer. They didn't negotiate their raises. I give them a little bit of skill to do that. And then, you know, that basically pays for my, my fee right there. And then uh, the other thing that next thing that I usually focus on is, okay, let's build you an actual business. So you can have some passive income that you, ha you have actual income or creature income coming in. It's not really passive when it's a business in, in, uh, in, in my mind. But, um, and then the third thing that I focus on is doing real estate investment. That's what really I did, uh, which made me uh, successful and, and be able to kind of retire at a, at a young age. And what I, what I, what I try to do is what, uh, what I call, there's this concept I call the well that never runs dry. So basically, most most people, what they do is they take their paycheck, okay, or the money they make from their business, and then they spend it on their expenses, and then whatever left over they save and invest. Uh, the problem with doing that is that you are always having to generate more income in order to to live, right? So what I do, and what I help a lot of guys do, is to generate what I call the well that never runs dry, which is basically to say, okay. We're going to take all the income that you're making, okay? And it, and it takes a while. You can't do this right away. But essentially, the model is you take the income you're making from your job or if you're in business or whatever, you invest all of that, 100% of it. So uh, my vehicle of choice is real estate. I think that's the best investment uh, by far. 
and then you live off of the passive income that's generated from that well, right? It's in every month, every time you're adding to that, you're digging the well deeper. And so you, you're living, your budget essentially increases. So your lifestyle gets to increase, but uh, but every month that well is replenished because that is money you don't have to work for. And so the goal is really to get to that point. And that's what, that's how I live my life. A, a lot of a lot of really successful, financially successful men that I know, they essentially do some variation of that. They don't really call it uh, what I call it, but I noticed that pattern and that's, and that's the, the pattern that, that I also adopted. But the, the nice thing about it is, like I said, is that you, you can basically spend that money. You can, you can know what your lifestyle is, is going to be and it increases over time. Mm-hmm. Do you find that when somebody starts making more money, they're automatically inclined to buy a bigger house, buy a nicer car and kind of defeat the purpose of what they're actually doing? Yeah. And, you know, when I was younger, I, I had that same mindset. I remember getting a raise at my job and it was like something like $400 a month. And then I thought, oh, I can afford $400 a month more of payments. That's that's how I thought back then. And I thought, oh, well, I could get a car that's, you know, $200 more a month and, and rent an apartment that's, or, you know, or get this, whatever it is, pay for the cell phone bill or, or whatever. And that's like the completely wrong way of thinking because, see, the thing is like, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. And I mean, you can make a lot of money and you could technically be rich because there's a lot of NBA players and movie stars and whatnot that are rich, but they're not wealthy because they go broke. Like if you can go broke, you're not wealthy. And the, the difference is, is whether you have to work for the money or not. Right. And mm-hmm. so that that's the key thing is it's like if you take the money that you're that you're making and you make more money and then you spend more money, you have a higher lifestyle, but you're having to work for that money you're just showboating. It's, it's not real because, because you're, you're having to generate that money every month, right? You, you don't have true wealth. You have true wealth when you don't have to work for the money, when the money is working for you and that's coming in, you know, every, every month, that's, that's the key. And so that's why it's so, it's so wrong to, to do that. It's cause it's not, it's like, you know, you don't really own it. You don't really own that stream of income. You're just kind of, you're, you're getting it right now, but there's no guarantee that you're going to continue to make that money in the future. And so if you're, if you're getting things that require that debt or that are require payment, but you don't have any direct, like you can't guarantee that you're going to get the money to pay for it in the future. You're setting yourself up for a very bad situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember the day I paid my house off and real estate, you know, it's something that I wish I got more involved in when I was younger, because I look at what I paid for my house you know, 27 years ago and what it's worth now, you know, a block from the beach. So how do you coach a guy into making those right choices? In other words, saying, okay, you're going to invest in this and you're going to, you have a specific plan where you're going to hang on to this property for 20 years, 30 years. So my default, right. And again, it depends on the situation and what you're trying to do. Right. Uh, And actually like to back up a little bit, this is, this is something that I always teach is that, Net worth can be converted to cash flow. Mm-hmm. And so for younger guys, when I'm coaching them, what I, my focus is, is getting their net worth up as much as possible because we can always convert it to cash flow later. You're making money. You got a good job, whatever. Let's just increase your net worth. So we're going to still invest in real estate, but we're going to invest leveraged, right? We're going to invest where we're going to put as little money as down as possible 
and have as much money that we can borrow from the bank because that leverage appreciation is really going to build up your net worth over time. Now, your cash flow is going to be zero or maybe even slightly negative. So you're not going to be putting money in your pocket every month, but you're going to be putting money in the bank for the long term, mm -hmm. essentially, right? And then later on, when you get to the point, maybe you're like, maybe this is a guy in his 20s and, and we're getting this plan. And so what I'm having him do is buy a house every year. Uh, at where he's putting 10 or 20% down on that, that property. And it's, it's a break even cash flow situation, right? The, the rent covers the mortgage and the expenses. So every year he's buying another house, buying another house, buying another house, maybe it's a duplex or a fourplex if he's making more money. Right. And then at some point, you know, maybe he's like 30, 35, whatever, 40. And he says, okay, I want to retire now. I'm done working for the man. Right now we can just take all of that, that real estate and we can, we can exchange that. We can do like a 1031 exchange, or there's a couple of different options, and we can we can now convert that into cash flow by either paying off the property or taking the the equity from those properties and exchanging it for another property where there's not going to be debt on that. And now you can get that cash flow, and you can you can you can live off of that. So it kind of depends on where you're at. You know, if you're already further on in in life and you don't have as much time to develop that net worth then maybe it makes more sense to buy properties with 50% down payment where you're going to get cash flow or even a hundred percent down payment. We're just buying things straight up and then you're going to get that cash flow if you want to be able to retire and have that passive income on it. But, uh, but in general, my strategy for real estate investment is buy and hold, right? It's, it's okay. uh, deferred gratification. We're looking for the long term because in the long term, you know, assets are going to increase in value and, and, and you're going to, you're going to do well in real estate in the short term you could get burned. Things can go up and down. But you know, if you're holding onto a property for 15 years, it, it's pretty much going to be a good investment. I, I don't know of any property that I've ever invested in that I've held for 15 years or that anyone I know of that hasn't turned out to be a good deal after that period of time. So, Do you help a guy, say, with bad credit? Can you coach a guy from a bad credit score or someone who has no credit? I, I could. I'm, I haven't encountered that very often because, you know, with the with the kind of fees that I charge, I'm usually working with someone who either has a pretty good six figure job or is running a, a business, you know, maybe a, a six to seven figure business. So I usually don't encounter that too much. I mean, in, in that case, I think the, the best things to do, like if you have no credit, obviously, you know, you can you can do some things like you know, opening up lines of credit, like getting a, a car payment and just paying it off or a credit card that you're paying off every month, which, which, you know, pretty much anyone should be doing anyway. You should have a credit card that has a bonus cash back or whatever and paying it off every month because it's, it's just free money sitting out there. Uh, as far as bad credit, I mean, I, personally, what I would probably do is because I know there's a lot of guys that I've worked with in the past that do credit repair. Uh, so I would probably just refer them to, to something like that and say, okay, you know, get the credit fixed first and then come back to me. Uh, Cause that's not my, my expertise. Okay. Gotcha. Now, another big part of what you do, of course, is a dating coach. Mm -hmm. Now this is a, this is a big deal and dating coaches in the manosphere. <clears throat> and I do like that word and I'm going to use it. So yeah. dating coaches in, in the manosphere, um, I've, I've talked with probably, I think you're the sixth one in the past month or so. Mm. And everybody has a different, kind of a different philosophy, but mm. it seems to be the same end goal. So mm. talk to me about like a guy that 
is really not doing well with women. And another question, is it different when you coach a guy that's 20 years old or a guy that's 50 years old? That's a good question. So I'll start off with the second one. I don't think there's a huge difference in terms of what is attractive to women. The advi- the general advice I would give someone who's younger, like say 20 versus someone's 50, is for guys that are 20, I'm really telling them, look, here's the deal. You're not going to get the hottest 20-year-old girls that you want right now because you're just not a high enough value man, right? They're, they're looking for older men, to be honest with you, okay? And so what I tell these guys is, look, learn to overcome your social anxiety, like to, to learn some game, to be able to talk to women. Don't get into a long-term relationship at all. Right. And don't spend too much time going out every weekend and trying to like learn some basics, but be focused mostly on building your fitness and building your business, your money and, and, and who you are as a man, like learning about yourself, becoming grounded as a man, because when you get to your thirties, that's when your opportunity is maybe you're around 35, you're making good money. You know who you are. You're grounded as a man. You've got a good physique, right? Whereas other guys have let themselves go, now you're you're in a place where, and you have the experience with women, so you can you, you have some game, you you understand, you you've, you've been around the block a few times. Now you have your selection. Now those hot girls you couldn't get before, you can get those girls because you you've got all those things going. So whereas someone who's let's say fifty, I'm going to give them different advice because hey, they don't they don't got that. They're they're already should be at that point of of being established in their life. Uh, but you know, as far as like kind of that, that higher level advice now, as far as like the actual dating advice of, of game and, and where guys, you know, make mistakes and, and, and learning to uh, attract or, or pick up women, what it, what it comes down to. And I guess this is, is somewhat related is my primary thing is status. I think that women are attracted to status more than anything else. And and the way that I break down status is it's a combination of stuff. It is a combination of your looks for sure. It's a combination of that with your, with your money, which represents your accomplishments and your, uh, your drive in life. And, and also your uh, social skills, right? Your ability to understand and read social situations and to be smooth or, you know, whatever you to have game, we, we could call it that. And so it's all those things combined. And so, you want to raise your status as much as possible. So a lot of the, it begins just with the internal, right? It's like, let's make you a high value man so that you're not faking something so that you, you kind of already know what to do. And then we still need to tweak some things because look, 90% of the guys that I coach, this is it. Their problem is that they're afraid that they, that they can't go up to a girl that they're attracted to and talk to her. And so that's what I'm primarily getting them to do is just to go do that because a lot of the rest of the stuff will kind of solve itself. I mean, there's definitely pieces and, and tweaks and understanding logistics. And, and, you know, if you want to pick up a girl from a bar and you want to bring her back with you, there's a lot of steps involved in, in stuff to know about how to do that and how to create that attraction and, and how to move things in a sexual direction. But most of the guys that are, are watching, they have never even just gone and talked to a girl that, that they don't know and, and, and shown some interest in her. They're, they're, terrified and i know because why, why I is that stuff. why is that john i mean i i speak you know when and i me and my brother have spoken about this a few times and and mm. i remember when i first went to 21 like all right wow a lot of this has to do with game and picking mm. up women and my brother and i have never had that issue and i'm not sure if it's because how we grew up 
whether it be from our father or has things changed so much as far as social media and Bumble and Tinder? So what what makes it hard for a guy to approach a woman? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think it's I think it's a combination of factors, right? I think it's just one of those just intrinsic fears that most men have. Now, you know, obviously you said you and your brother didn't have it, but but probably the reason why you don't have it is probably because you initially had done it and had some success and that is kind of like a reinforcing like you know that women are going to respond to you in a certain way and so there's it, it kind of eliminates that fear very quickly in life. But most guys never actually face the fear and so it becomes a deeper and deeper fear. Any fear that we let have a foothold in our life will take more and more of our life. And so most men have never stood up and faced that fear. And so, like I said, it grows and grows on them. And, you know, it, it's hard to say. It's just, it's just something, I mean, I was afraid when I was growing up, I was so scared of women. I, I, I would not dare to talk to a, a girl and just, just approach her, just cold approach and try to do any kind of pickup or anything like that. Uh, because it was, I don't know, it was just like an instinctual fear that I had and I had to really push myself to get over it. And I think a lot of guys just don't, they don't push themselves. And, and part of it probably is, you know, I think one element is the, the internet, like the rampant pornography, right? Mm -hmm. Because if a guy like, okay, if you don't have pornography as an option, then you're going to be more like more compelled to go out there and get what you need. Like, it's like, uh, if you're, if your need is being met at a lower level, well, you know, it's not the best level it could be at, but, it's being met. Unfortunately, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you just had dog food to eat and mm -hmm. you're eating the food and you're like, it's not really good, but it's, it's food. I'm, I'm okay. Right. You're not starving. So you're not going to like, like go out and kill something. Whereas if you're starving, you're going to go out and, and hunt, you're going to go and figure out how am I going to get some food. Right. And so I think that's what like a lot of guys are living on video games and porn. And so they're not going out there into the real world and they're not getting enough of a of a need of a hunger to like go and face that fear and conquer that mm -hmm. fear. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the heart of it. Now, approach anxiety. Would you kind of say that also has to do with fear of rejection? Yeah, I mean, Isn't it, that it's a sort of a part of it. It's sort of an irrational fear, though, because, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you can go into like the psychology of, of like the caveman days. Like if you got rejected, mm -hmm. then, you know, you might be ostracized and then you can't survive on your own. Or like if you hit on the big caveman's girlfriend. Yeah, I, I understand like the psychology of that. I'm not I'm not like I think there's probably some element of that within it. But but, you know, it, it definitely is an irrational fear for us today. Like nothing bad will happen if a if a woman rejects you. I think also guys think in terms of, I always try to tell guys that rejection is a choice that you make, right? Like no one can reject me. I, I can, I'm unrejectable, right? I go up uh, and if I talk to a girl and she's not interested, she gives me a hand or whatever, I'm just, I'm just laughing it off. Maybe I'll even try again, maybe I'll, whatever, because it's, I, I'm just, I'm just dancing. I'm just having fun. I'm just, I'm just here, you know, listen to the music. This is just part of my flow and this is what I'm doing. And, and it's, it's not a personal, it's not a rejection type of thing, but if you're going up and you're like, okay, this is the stakes. I got to get this girl's number. She's got to be interested in me. And then it's like, and now you're giving her the power to reject you or not. Like you're making that choice and you're saying, okay, if she gives me this reaction, then I am bad. I'm, I fail. 
then you're you're essentially rejecting yourself, right? You you have to make that that choice, and I think that's that's probably where a lot of guys go wrong. Like when I coach guys, one one of the things that I, I tell them is that what our goal is for for you talking to women is not to get a phone number, not to get laid, none of those things at at first. Your goal is to make yourself go into an uncomfortable situation and to force yourself to get in. You win if you get yourself into an uncomfortable situation, right? And, and, and you did it. You, you purposely put yourself into it, which is talking to girls. So for them, in their mind, I changed, I context shifted so that now we're talking about winning. You win every time. Every time you go and talk to a girl, you win. That's a win, right? Because now we're shifting the game because now it's not – the, the idea of rejection isn't there because you can't be rejected because you're automatically going to win just for putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And, and that becomes the goal. And when that becomes the goal, then that, that can really help with that. It still is going to take some balls. You're still going to have to have some courage, but it makes it a lot easier because now you don't have to fear the rejection because the rejection, like you're not, your goal is not to get her number or to make her appreciate mm-hmm. or accept you. So Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, in the manosphere, again, we have, I think it's the rule of sixes, six figures, six foot tall and six pack abs, I think is what it is. Now, when I heard that and I'm like, fuck that, that's bullshit right. because I'm yeah. five foot seven, 166 pounds and I got a bald head and I yeah. didn't have an issue. So right, exactly. to me, again, it's a mindset. So I had had one dating coach say to me, well, it's because, you know what, you might have talked to those two women and those two women don't like a guy that's five foot seven with a shaved head, but there are women that will. Uh-huh. So uh, women, women don't know what they want or what they like. If they'll tell you what they think they want, there's certain things that they'll swipe on in a Tinder app, but that's not real life. Mm-hmm. Right. Real life is you being there in three dimensions and and being yourself, like how you present yourself. And so it, it's sort of, you know, again, a lot of guys, you know, the black pill kind of incel kind of community. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's all about looks. It's all it's not all about looks. I, I have a friend of mine that, you know, he is OK. He's he's Indian. He is. I mean, he was born in India, like Indian. OK. He's skinny. He's not super tall. Okay. And he kills it. Like he goes to, I mean, but he's super aggressive. I mean, he'll go out to a nightclub. He'll put his arm around a girl. He'll grab her hand. Like he'll just like, that's how he, before he said a word to him and they like it. Okay. He hardly, every once in a while he gets rejected from that, but, but because he's aggressive, because he's confident in himself and he presents himself and he knows how to talk and he's got game. And it's like, when I first saw him, I was like that. That was the thing that made me a believer. I was like, "Holy crap!" Because I'm sitting there witnessing this guy, and uh, and he doesn't have the the six six six. He's mm-hmm. not not even close to any of those things. But 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 you know he he's able to do that. So again, there's like, do looks matter? Of course they do. Does being tall matter? Of course it does. But it's not like the it's it's not the only factor. And it's not as big of a factor as, as many guys think. I think a lot of guys want to look at, they look at the way that they're attracted to women and think that women are attracted to men the same way. And it's just not true. It's so, so different. Women are going to judge you based on a lot more factors than just how you look. 
and that's you know that that's the key it's so yeah so i think that that's a, a pretty uh, pretty ridiculous myth i've seen enough stuff to you know and then a lot of guys also think okay well if some guy's a chad and he's you know six foot three and whatever and ripped and stuff that he's on easy mode and girls approach him and uh, and I can tell you that that's not the case. Like, I mean, it, you know, fr- from some, sometimes you get a freebie or whatever, but it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way uh, it, because a woman will still reject. It. In fact, if you're really good looking, real tall, you know, whatever, all you meet all those, those characteristics, she has a high standard for you. So when she talks mm-hmm. to you, she expects you to be slick and to be, uh, you know, to be good with women. And if you're stand there stuttering and, and apologizing, she's going to be really disappointed and she's going to lose that attraction for you. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's kind of a, a ridiculous notion that has a little bit of truth to it. Okay. Now also I, I think I saw a video of you where you take guys out in the field and I think it was in mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. T- tell me about that. Tell me what you would do for a guy that you would take out to a nightclub in Vegas. How would you help him out personally right there? Yeah. So the big thing that, uh, in fact, I can give you like an example of a guy, you know, before the the pandemic thing or anything got shut down that that we went out to Vegas. And uh, so he actually started out, we did a little bit of Skype coaching as first, you know, to get him go out, go to bars and stuff where he was at. But then when we met up in Vegas, you know, we're in my hotel room and he's like, I'm not going to do this, man. He's like, I can you go out and have a good time. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you just paid me $2,000. Okay. You are going to do it. I'm going to make you do like, you're going to, there's no way you're not going to do this. Right. And like, just I'm like, listen, just follow my lead. Just like, just take it one step at a time. Right. We're just going to take this one step at a time. We're just going to, we're going to purposely put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. Right. See, when you can get comfortable with being uncomfortable, you're like, okay. Cause that was one of his, his big hangups is he's like, I, I just feel really uncomfortable. And I'm like, good. This is, this is what life is about. It's about feeling uncomfortable. It's great. Your heart is beating. You know, you're alive. This is like, I mean, do you want to be, have apathy, like to, to not feel anything? I love feeling fear. I love feeling uncomfortable. That's what we're after. Right. So then, you know, my, my approach is to make it so that feeling uncomfortable is not a bad thing. That's actually what we're after. So then you get excited when you feel uncomfortable because that means something good is about to come. Because I'll tell you, the greatest feeling in life, the greatest feeling in life, higher than any high I've ever felt, is when I do something that scares the fuck out of me and I, and I do it anyway. And then, you know, it's like it's like it's coming off that crest of the roller coaster. You're like, yes. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And, and that's it. And so when I feel that fear now and I try to train the guys that I'm coaching, it's like. Now I want you to feel that, you know, an excitement is coming. Like you should, that should be anticipation because you know, when you do this thing, oh, you're going to feel so good about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the beginning is, is kind of getting the mindset, right? Cause we got to have the right mindset. Then I go over kind of the basics, like, you know, the basic stuff is like, okay, how to approach, you know, how to open up a set and, and what kind of conversation that you're going to have with them. You're going to kind of take things in sexual. And I try not to overwhelm at first. Cause I really just want to get them to just, to, just do it to just open. Right. And then, you know, we go out usually, uh, for example, if we're going to go to a nightclub, we're going to go around first around the casino or something like that. And I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to demonstrate, right. I'll go up and I'll just be like, here, 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 this girl, this girl, this girl. And I'll just be like, look, 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 see how I just do this. No problem. And I'm just talking, 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 group of girls go in there and talk to them. Right. And then after he's seen me do it a bunch of times, because a lot of the way that we learn is that we see someone else do something and we know it's possible, right? So many things in my life, I, I realized that I could do because I saw someone else do it. It's like, if that guy can do it, 
I can do it, right? And so that's what I want to get him. I want to get him to that point. And then I'm like, okay, now it's your turn. Now you do it, right? It's a natural, normal thing, right? He's seen it happen a bunch of times. And I was like, oh, okay. And then usually, you know, there's a little bit of trepidation, but usually after a guy's seen me do that a bunch of times, then then he's he's much more inclined. He, in fact, he's usually, you know, I'm usually holding him back because I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. like it's not your turn yet. Like I've got to finish because I want him to be anticipating his shot at it as opposed to, and the reason why I do this is because up until this point in his life, he's been dreading his turn or that he has to do this. But now I want him to salivate and say, yes, I want to go and give him, give my shot. Right. And so, you know, then I'm getting him to pushing him into opening and opening and opening. And then the goal is I'm like, okay, okay. That's what I want club? to know was, yeah, was yeah. the goal. That's what I want to find out. Like yeah. is the end goal to get the number, to get her back to the hotel room. I mean, what's the end goal? You, you would want that genuine attraction from the mm-hmm. woman yes. to that guy, not just, okay. Exactly. So, the, yeah. So, yeah. so the end goal is usually for, for him to get the girl back to the, the hotel room. Right. I mean, that's you know, okay. a number in Vegas is, is kind of, it's one of the most, it's, it's, it's worth less, less than a $5 chip. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so, so, so then really what it becomes is like, okay, you want to get into the nightclub, guess what? The nightclub the fee is $100 unless you're on the guest list and the guest list requires there to be one uh, a one to one even ratio so how are we going to get like well i guess we're going to have to go and find some girls and and convince them to come into the nightclub with us and that's like kind of the mm-hmm. like it's a confidence builder cuz i know i can do it every time and i give him a little help and then now he's like shit i just got two girls didn't know got them to get in line with me and get into the nightclub with me now he's feeling he's flying high right even if i've done most of the work He's there. He's part of it. You know, one of those girls is coming in with him. So, so he's flying high. Then we get into the nightclub and then that's where, you know, it's like, now it's loud. Now it's a harder environment. And now hopefully he's got enough confidence and I'm going to push him in can demonstrate for him. If I can, you know, you know, maybe I'll do some opens and, and then bring him in and, and, and kind of, you know, transfer some of the attraction over to him. Uh, you know, if, if I can establish it with a girl and, and you kind of, you know, I'm trying to get him to have a good night and to succeed. So, uh, and it's sometimes, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, you can't guarantee, but a lot of times it does, or maybe it's like the second night or third night when he starts to get comfortable, you know, and then of course, you know, you're getting numbers when, when things don't work out. And then, you know, I'm having him text all those numbers at the end of the night, right. Making some of those hail Marys and just showing him like all, like basically this persistence, we don't stop, right. You have the goal in mind and, you know, there's a lot, again, little pieces to it, logistics, figuring out, you know, asking the questions, you know, who'd you come with, you know, what are you doing after this? Who are you here with? Right. So he can understand what the logistics are in order to like, to facilitate the, what he wants to happen. Right? Let's grab some food after this, you know, set up a, a premise of, of what we're going to do afterwards. Uh, so that when, when you get to that point and you're ready to pull from the nightclub that you've got uh, a, a reason to, to do it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, work on little things. And then I'm always looking to see like, I can look at the guy and how he's interacting with the woman and I know how it's going. I don't need to hear what, what he's saying because I know I look at her body language. I look at his body language. Okay. She's into him or she's not into him. And, you know, and then I'm going to have him come back and say, okay, what did you say? Let's debrief this real quick. What did she say? How did you feel things were going? And then give him a little bit of tweak, a little bit of pointer. Okay. Change this, you know, uh, say this, you know, approach this way. Don't go from the side, you know, whatever, whatever he needs in order to send him back out there so that he'll, you know, get to get to where he needs to go. 
So you're teaching him escalation basically too, or mm-hmm. he's kind of learning it along the way because I think there's a lot of guys that are afraid to escalate and yes. don't understand when they're getting that signal to escalate. Now I've learned a lot of different terms, escalation, keno escalation, which is right. actually touching a woman. And I think you got to kind of be careful and be sure of yourself. And I think it, it's something that's probably learned or inherited when you can put your hand on the small of her back or give her yeah. a little pat on the ass or something like that, knowing you're not going to get your teeth punched out. So would, how, how do you teach a guy to keep that escalation going? So I, I kind of subscribe to the whole, like, you know, if it's, if it's not a red light, it's a green light. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, it depends on the context and situation in a nightclub. Mm-hmm. All right. As long as you're approaching confidently, you can get away with just your first thing, putting your arm around the girl. You can do it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I do it plenty of times. I've seen plenty of guys do it. You know, if you if you're hesitant, if you if you if it feels like a, a, a labored interaction, it's probably not going to go well. And maybe you shouldn't do that move. But it's, you know, you, know, you can literally go and make eye contact, you know, what they call the, the hand of God, extend it, twirl around and, and make out with a girl like that. It can be that that quickly. So what I try to do, though, is just to have the guy do something that's uncomfortable because I'd rather see him. It's like calibration, right? It's like. Okay. Well, take this, right? For example, like finding my voice in writing or on YouTube. What I had to do in order to do that, I had to go to one extreme and I had to and I had to back off and figure out where that boundary is, right? So I remember, you know, making a YouTube video and be like, fuck this and fuck that and like just swearing mm-hmm. and, and being kind of a, a dick. And then I realized, okay, that's not actually me. That's not my voice. But it's but it was a lot more than the quiet John that was just, you know, kind of trying to be super polite. It was it was somewhere I had to find that dynamic, right? And so it's the same thing here. It's like I want the guy to see what's too far. Okay. Uh, so that he knows, because most guys like they think, okay, this is the boundary right here. Like I, I can't do this, uh, but it's really like way out here. And so I want them to go to keep on pushing, to get to that boundary to, so that they can see, feel where it's at. Mm-hmm. And then they can back off from there because most of the time it's that they're not like, I'd rather just see them be aggressive because again, if you do an inappropriate touch and when I say inappropriate, I don't mean like in the wrong place. I mean, at the wrong time in the wrong places is, mm-hmm. is it's not a good idea, but, uh, but if you do at the wrong yeah. time, she's going to let you know, she's going to back off. She's going to say, Whoa. And then, you know, you can kind of like get, give her some space and start having a conversation say, Oh, you know, like played off, not a big deal. And then you could try again. Right. Uh, because you know, that, that is going to be a lot like your chance of being successful. If you did the wrong move and then, and then persisted is a lot more than if you were just a super nice guy and you just talked about what she did for work and, 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 and all this kind of stuff and how the weather is and you never touched her. And you're like, you know, that that's guaranteed no laid zone. You're not getting yeah. laid for the, no, no way. Right. But if you do inappropriate things, you still have a chance again, not saying that you should necessarily, but you've got to find the balance, but I'd rather you fall on the side of being, inappropriate in this in the sense that like touching too much or, or or something like that or going for the kiss when you shouldn't rather than than otherwise because that's where you're going to calibrate and you're going to figure it out and then you're going to get that natural feel for it eventually as you as you kind of misstep a little bit there's just like no shortcut to it because i can't 
have my brain go into the the other guy's brain. He has to feel it because it's an intuition type of thing, and he has to be in that. that. But so I have to push him to the point where he's going to get that experience. Because if he just sits there and he's like, and I'm telling him, when you see this, this signal, and then he's being the nice guy and he's never actually taken a shot. He's never going to see it. He's not going to get the experience. I'd rather have him like blow up a bunch of times doing the wrong thing going too far because now he's going to get calibrated. Now he's actually going to get the intuition because he, he's going to, he's going to feel that if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And I mean, it kind of goes back to if she's still talking to you, you're good. Exactly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause so, she could get out of there. Right. So, yeah. Oh yeah. So now we're in the time of uh, pandemic and yeah. And quarantine and self-isolation so do you help guys with dating apps because now to me and i had talked with another dating coach and he had said i'm i I, want to paraphrase him but it's the like tinder and bumble it's the lowest barrier to entry is is what he had said and i think that's good and he kind of called it well kind of he called it low-hanging fruit Mm -hmm. and what are your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, I have always been very against dating apps. Like all of my coaching classes, I'm like, no, do not do it at all. Just it's, you're not learning how to be a man. <laughs> you need to learn how to be a man. I'm trying to teach you how to be a man, mm-hmm. not just how to get laid. And maybe, yeah, you can get laid on a dating app, but I'm trying to teach you how to be a man. I mean, you need to go and face your fears and fucking cold approach and learn how to actually talk to women and learn how to do these things. Uh, but, but with everything going on, you know, I have realized that, look, it's really, really difficult and probably not productive to try and go out and do cold approach right now. It's just, I mean, sure, you could do it if you really want to, but let's not swim up against the the wrong way up the river. When the river is going this way, there's no point in, in, so, so I've had to like kind of change my my stance for at least for now. Right. And, okay. and, and help guys with dating apps. And yeah. it's really, I think, you know, I, I don't like it cause again, cause it's super, it, it, it just dating apps destroy guys' confidence. They really do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's a shame because why do it's you, one why dimensional. Do you say it's that? Just a, okay. Why because do you 90, just... because, okay. Because the average guy is going to do horribly bad on a dating app, right? If you're not in the top 5% of guys, okay you know, you're going to really do poor, like you might not even get any matches for, for days or, or very low quality matches. Now it doesn't mean there's nothing that we can do about it, but like in general, without any training, if you just average guy just jumps on a dating app, uh, he's competing with, you know, the top five, like all these women are going to swipe on the top. They have a very high standard for men that, you know, because they have access to those men. So the key, what I found is that like, you have to, like if I pick pictures that I think are going to be my best pictures, they're not, they're not mm-hmm. because believe me, I, and I tested it. I, I use a site called photo feeler. Okay. And I was like, okay, what are my best pictures? And so I was like, oh yeah. The, like the picture I show you on Instagram, it's like, look at me mm-hmm. with my six pack abs, right? Like shirtless, like that's gotta be the best picture. I mean, it, it can't, that's like a, you know, a, a, a magazine cover picture, right? Like that's gotta be it. Right. And then I've got, you know, some other pictures, you know, a couple other shirtless pictures. Like this one's good too. And then, uh, and then, you know, a picture of me smiling, eating some food and like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and you, I use this app to rate them and it's not like the, the shirtless, you know, six pack app picture does bad. It does good. You know, it, it does, mm-hmm. it does good, but what beats it out surprisingly is the smiling picture of me yeah. eating food. 
it's like, wow, that's insane. Like you would not believe that it, like, because it, you know, it rates it on attractiveness on, on trustworthiness and intelligence. And it's like, you know, it, it actually outranks the attractiveness on the shirtless picture, but it destroys the trustworthy oh, wow. and intelligence. Right. So, so, so what you have to do and, and also not, 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 not only that, but it's, it's selecting the right pictures, right. Which you need to actually do, do some objective rating to figure that out. But it's also, uh, you know, s- setting them up and, and doing some tweaks to the pictures, right. Because again, I test those like, okay, well, what happens if I hire a professional photo uh, editor to uh, to do some 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 minor edits, uh, minor like you know brush ups and, and things on the photo and lighting and improve you know uh, basically a photo retoucher. Okay, so I hire a photo retoucher and then I, I do the experiment again and bam, the photo retouching makes a huge difference, a huge difference. Like you wouldn't believe how much of a difference. So it's like these little tweaks. And so if you do all these little tweaks and now you put your pictures on there and now you have the right pictures on there. Now all of a sudden your your results are going to be like 10x. Okay, even the bio you, know, you can tweak the bio. Bio doesn't even matter. The pictures are what matter. So you don't think that the, the, right bi- the bio makes a difference at all? The bio is good for for setting up w- the conversation that you're going to have afterwards, okay. right? When, when you connect, because it gives you something interesting to to say, right? You know, if you say something like, you know, uh, I'm the guy your mother your mother warned you, warned you about right? For something like that, right? Then if a girl matches you, you can say, Hey, why your I guess your mother didn't, didn't, uh, didn't warn you about me, or you can make some kind of comment about that. And you've already moved into sexual direction immediately, which is, which is good. So you kind of use the bio for, for something like that, but you know, and, and again, you could look at the experiments. I mean, the black pill guys love to experiment on, on, uh, Tinder and show how, like a serial killer or like child pornographer, like in the bio, it doesn't matter if the guy's like got a perfect jawline and six pack abs. And, and to some degree they're right, right? Girls aren't going to pay attention to that part uh, when, when matching, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you're hot enough guy. So that's why like the pictures are the most important thing. You know, the bio, the, the biggest thing is like, just don't make the bio something that's going to uh, make you look like a nice guy. That's, yeah, that's, that's the biggest yeah. thing. So, yeah, I mean, on mine that I've had, I, I've had other guys say, can I use that like word for mm-hmm. word? And I'm like, sure. It tends to true. Now I've had hate on that comeback, but I've also had so the bio to me was, was kind of important, you know, and again, but to me, the, again, the, the, the online dating is just, it's just something I think with this pandemic and, you know, all the bullshit that's going on, it's probably an option for guys. But I'm glad you're evolving and telling guys what to do and researched it. Now, also, I have another question. In the manosphere, entrance to the manosphere for a lot of guys is trauma. Do you help guys deal with trauma, whether it's a divorce, you know, a breakup or whatever? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and the biggest thing that I try to help them deal with trauma is this, is because you you have to have a strategy for preventing the trauma from happening or from affecting you. Right. And that requires emotional mastery, right? Men are not supposed to let their emotions master them. Mm-hmm. And so w- w- this is the biggest thing that I teach. And, and, and th- this is, I think one of the problems that's, that's wrong with, with a lot of the dating advice and a lot of the guys and pick up and stuff. No, no offense. I've got a lot of friends in there and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they give great advice on getting laid, but, Guys are afraid. They think that alpha males don't fall in love. 
Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing, like the it's a it's like a very blue pill concept, like this idea of, mm-hmm. of falling in love or whatever, having a connection, you know, just the, the pump and dump, just pump and dump. So here's the deal, okay? The problem is not the depth of emotion and falling in love. The problem is attachment. See, if you can be detached as a man, then you can experience a deep connection with a woman, even a woman, the woman that you just met and you just spend one night with, you can have a very deep connection with her if you're willing to let her go the next day because you don't have the attachment, right? So mm-hmm. guys that don't learn to let go or to, to form non-attachment, what they do is instead they guard their, their selves so they don't actually form deep connections. Mm-hmm. And, and so they li- so they pick up girls, they fuck this girl, they fuck that girl, they feel nothing, okay? Mm-hmm. And they become numb. And they're like, why isn't this actually working? Why don't I actually feel like, like, like I'm actually doing something? And they keep on trying to get that feeling, get that high, which they can't get because they're not developing a connection. So, so you know, coming back around full circle here, what this comes down to is like, I think the most important attribute that you can, you can learn that I try to help guys with is non-attachment, right? Is this ability is like, I call it, feel the pain, keep on walking, right? That's mm-hmm. where you say, Hey, life is pain. That's okay. There's, there's pain in life. There's love in life. I want to feel the full spectrum of human emotion. I don't now when I say feel, it doesn't mean express, right? Cause there's a big difference. Like mastering your emotion as a man means that you feel the things we're human. We feel things, but we don't let our emotions dictate our actions. And so I try to teach them, Hey, look, kind of a very stoic approach. Stoicism is, is a lot of mm-hmm. the bulldog mindset, but this idea of like, okay, look, you feel these things. You don't let uh, your feelings influence your actions, but you also are able to detach in, in the sense that you're, you're still feeling and experiencing life, but you're willing to let anything go in life. And that is, you, you consider everything in life to be not yours. It's borrowed, right? Even the atoms that make up your body will eventually go to the ground. They're not yours. They're, they don't belong to you. Everything in your life will eventually disappear. And when you have that sense and you understand that and you internalize that, you don't feel loss anymore because everything is borrowed. It's your, it's your chance. It's an, it's, it's more of a feeling of gratitude. And so, you know, that fixes the negative emotions and the traumatic experience, because every time we have a traumatic experience in life, every negative emotion we, we experience is always because of one thing. It's an expectation that is not met. Mm-hmm. And so why do we have expectations on the world and other people? It's it's a ridiculous thing. I can't control the weather. I can't control what other people do. I can't control what a woman thinks or does or how she acts. So having an expectation on her action is, is a failure on my part. So I have to let go of all those expectations. And when I let go of those expectations, I'm not going to be sad or upset or disappointed or angry or any of those things because I don't have an expectation. I'm just accepting reality as it is. It might not go the way that I want it to, and I might be temporarily upset about it, but I'm not going to be bitter and angry and feel like I got betrayed or stabbed in the back. And now I have this ability to process uh, these these things and and I'm protecting myself for the future. So that's what I really try to help guys to, to do rather than just dealing with that one issue, that one breakup or, or thing like that. Because when you have that mindset, now you're kind of invincible, right? I want you to be invincible so that nothing can harm you. Things may hurt you, but they can't harm you because you, you know pain is, a, is, is something that's unavoidable, but suffering is always a choice. And you don't have to suffer. You only suffer when you fail to accept reality. You know, if you are willing to accept what has happened and, and to fully say, okay, it's okay, uh, then you won't suffer. You may experience pain, but you don't have to suffer. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, so that guy 
who can be, we'll call it indifference, one foot out the door and not feel the pain, but don't, don't exclude yourself from actually enjoying parts of it also. I mean, mm-hmm. I would imagine, you know, you coach guys in relationships also. So, so go ahead and enjoy that. But if it ends, be able to walk. I mean, that exactly. seems to be what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. It, well, that's it's awesome. like having that's a, a butterfly. That's a great in your way hand, to put it. Like, yeah. 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 That's really cool. So, also, you're going to be speaking at the 21 convention. So, do you have anything planned? And I mean, are you, what is your, let's, let's put it this way. What is your, um, what is your focus of your speech going to be? That's a good question. I've been thinking about this. I, I'm not sure yet. I, I feel like it's going to come to me. I've got a couple of ideas. Like what I just talk, told you about, like the, like opening yourself and, and actually loving as an alpha male. I, I think that that's one possibility. Cause I feel like it's not said and, and it's, and guys shy away from that because they don't understand detachment. So I think that could be a potential, uh, you know, I've, I've toyed with the idea of just, you know, the default would be to just talk about what is the bulldog mindset and how to develop the bulldog mindset, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then, yeah, I think there's, there's a few other kind of elements that, that I, that I'm considering, but I kind of want to feel like what, what is, what is the thing that's, that's kind of being pressed upon me to, to share the most and uh yeah probably in the next week or two I'll, I'll probably figure that out so okay yeah you're sharing the stage with some big hitters and i yeah think you've met elliot hulse before mm-hmm. i'm sure yeah we're, you've met we're friends have, yeah have you met any other guys okay any of the other guys have you met in person i'm trying to think i don't i don't think so let's see who else would be up there that i uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think Elliot Hulse might be the only one that, that I've met in person. I've talked to Jack Donovan a lot before, but, okay. um, but he's not, um, I guess he's not speaking this year though. He's gonna, just going to be there. That's what I heard. So yeah, he uh, might be doing a work shop. I okay. Think, that, something that, like that. I think Anthony is kind of pushing toward that. So Jesse oh, Lee Peterson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love Jesse. I can't wait to meet him myself. I listen to him quite frequently. So, and yeah, uh, but yeah. that's awesome. I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to meet you. I'm excited for this 21, which I think is going to be phenomenal. I mean, the lineup is great. Just the amount of speakers, and I think you're really yeah. going to be impressed with the way everything is run. And I think you're a great addition to the 21 team and the 21 speaker roster. You know, I think it's going to be really good. I was excited when I heard heard you were coming. I think that's a, that's a great step for you and a great step for, especially for the guys that you're going to reach out to. And to me, that's the end goal of what you do and what a lot of guys, whether, you know, a lot of guys clash heads in the whole manosphere, let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the end goal to me is what's most important. I I, I don't get involved in any of the drama crap, but the end goal to me is, is, is helping men, becoming a better version of yourself. I don't care if you're 17 or 67. I think that's the most important thing. Being the best you can be, you know, so. But uh, yeah, I appreciate your yeah. time, John. And, and I, a lot of guys are going to get some value out of this talk. And I look forward to meeting you here in about a month. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Tony. Yeah, and I just got to say Any real quick words? that I, I'm... And, Oh yeah. <laughs> so 
uh, it's kind of chopping up a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm in total agreement with you as far as the drama and, and whatnot. I, I don't want to get involved in any of those things. And, and my goal is to help men. And so, you know, actually when I took the, the invite to speak here, some people were upset with me. Some guys that, that I know that are in the manosphere. And then a lot of my audience was upset with me. And uh, you know, the thing is like, I don't have a faction. I don't have a side. I don't belong. Like I belong to me and in my mission to, to help men. And I think that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are and I extend this invitation, you know, just cause this is going public uh, to, to any man out there, regardless if you're MGTOW or Blackpillar or any kind of whatever, it doesn't matter what you are. You know, uh, you, you come to San Diego, you want to get a beer. I'll have a beer with you. I got, I got no animosity towards anyone. I just want to help men as much as possible. And, you know, I'm going to attack ideas that I feel are destructive towards men, but it's not a personal thing, right? I, I want to see all men succeed and to, to live better lives. And I think that you do too. And, and, that, and, and that's the thing that's really impressed me so far with the guys that I've talked to at the 21 convention. After talking to Steve uh, Williams and, and your brother, George, and, and, and yourself, it's like, I, I see the spirit of, Hey, we're not here to fight. We're not here to call names. We don't have any bitterness within our hearts, right? We're, we're not angry at women. We, we just want to help men and, and help them as much as possible. And so I, I really appreciate that. Again, too many factions of the manosphere are constantly mm-hmm. punching back and forth. And so many friggin' labels, whether it be black pill, blue pill. Well, he's blue pill. Well, he, no, he's not blue right. pill. He's purple pill. Well, yeah. he's not a purple pill. He's a MGTOW. You know, and it's like, all right, well, which label, which label are you going to throw on this guy? You know, so it gets a little tiresome, you know, but it does. Again, the end goal is to help men. And I think if everybody tends to, you know, look toward that end goal and, you know, knock off the knocking this guy, knocking that guy, I think we're all going to be better off, you know. I agree. And I think you're on the same, I think you're on the same page for sure. John, how can everybody find you? Uh, best place is just go to bulldogmindset.com. And then when you go there, you will see a little pop-up that asks if you want to take the bulldog quiz. Say yes, because you want to take the quiz, because you want to see what your score is. I'll give you a score from zero to 100. Ask, a, a, I think, about 10 mm-hmm. questions on everything okay. from relationship to finance to fitness. And uh, and then if you need help raising your score, I'll send you some emails and send you some information, some YouTube videos and stuff like that. So uh, you'll you'll get into my world if you take the quiz. So Okay. That sounds great, man. John, I appreciate your time, and I will see you in October. Thanks for coming on. All right. And have a good evening. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Tony.